Today we are partaking of the Lord's Supper, and by the way, if you have not received the elements, they're outside in the hallways, and we're going to be looking at a passage, if you feel free to go out there and get the elements to come back in before we partake it. But I want to begin by looking at a passage we always look at, but today I want to talk about it, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to be reading with verse 23. This is a passage that we always read before we partake of the Lord's Supper. This morning, I want us to look at it and just examine it for a few moments so that we will understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll begin reading with verse 23. Now, Paul is writing to these Christians at Corinth because they have a lot of problems, a lot of trouble, and a lot of issues, and in this letter, he wants to address the Lord's Supper because they had gotten out of the habit of what they were doing and why they were doing it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way. He took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eats and drinks, eats and eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. And for this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we pray today that you will remind us of what we're doing and why we're doing it. That Father, we will not do this in an unworthy manner. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This week I was on the way back to Paducah from Bowling Green after the Kentucky Baptist Convention, and I had a low tire on my vehicle. And by the way, at nighttime, it's hard to find a place that has air. I went to a couple of places, they didn't have it. Then I came to another place, and I walked in. There's a young man behind the counter, and I asked him, I said, do you have an air pressure machine because I have a low tire? The man looked at me and said, well, I don't know. We have one but it usually doesn't work, and it always takes people's money. I asked him his name. His name is Billy. I said, Billy, my name is Dan. And I help people with their problems. That's what I do for a living. I talk to people all the time about problems they have, and, and I solve their problems. And I want to help you today. 
the next time someone comes in here and I ask, do you have an air pressure machine? The answer is no. <laughs> we all need help somewhere. The Apostle Paul is bringing help to this church in Corinth. Paul wants to help them to understand the Lord's Supper. Now, this passage is the earliest passage we have describing the Lord's Supper. And Paul tells us everything we need to know about what it is and how to do it. Again, every time we do the Lord's Supper, we read this passage. But this morning, I want us to go over it verse by verse so that we will, again, all understand what we're doing. Because first of all, Paul gives the the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Look what he says in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus of the night in which he was betrayed took bread. At the very beginning, Paul says, let me explain this to you. This is divine revelation. I received this from the Lord. In other words, Paul did not receive this from the apostles. Paul did not receive this from someone else. Paul did not read about this. This was a divine revelation from Jesus himself. That's what he's saying. I received from the Lord. So he did not gather this information from anywhere else except Jesus. And not only that, he's already taught them about the Lord's Supper. I mean, he, he tells us that. I, you've already, I've already delivered this to you before. You knew how to do this. But unfortunately, you have forgotten and you've gotten sloppy in the Lord's Supper. And so what Paul is saying, I want you to understand what you're doing so that you may do it in the right manner. By the way, we must constantly evaluate how we do the Lord's Supper. He breaks it down. I receive in the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. I mean, in just one little verse, he tells us so much. Who instituted the Lord's Supper? The Lord Jesus. When did he do it? The night he was betrayed. Now, I want you to think about this. The night in which our Lord was betrayed, in that atmosphere of treachery, Jesus demonstrated love even toward Judas. Judas was in this room. On the night that Jesus was going to be arrested, tried, tortured, and killed. He took the time to do this ordinance. And here's Paul writing this letter to say, I want you to partake of the Lord's Supper, and I want you to remember all of this the night he was betrayed, because this points to the sacrificial suffering of Christ. And that is the purpose of the Lord's Supper. This ordinance is a reminder of the sacrificial suffering of Christ and what he did for us. Then Paul talks about the purpose of the bread. He said the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Paul said the first thing Jesus did when he took the bread, he gave thanks. Jesus shows us the attitude that we are to have when we come to the Lord's Supper. We are to be thankful for all that God has done for us. I mean, that's why some people call this the Eucharist, because that comes from the Greek word thanks, being thankful. This is one of the reasons why we do the Lord's Supper the Sunday before Thanksgiving because we are to come before his presence in Thanksgiving when we do the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Again, notice what he is saying. 
This statement affirms his incarnation, how God became man. Jesus said, I have a body. God became man. But it also affirmed the substitutionary atonement of Christ. I came for you. Jesus gave himself for us in our place. In our, in, on that cross, we should have been on the cross, but Christ came for us. And so this bread symbolizes the body of Christ. And he says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, in the Greek language, that's an imperative. In other words, that's an order. This is a command. He commands us to do this, to do the Lord's Supper. Then he gives the purpose of the cup. Verse 25, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, Paul doesn't say as much about the cup as he does the bread, but it's no less significant. He calls it the cup. He makes no reference to what's inside because in the Old Testament, the concept of the cup was considered the wrath of God. After the Passover meal, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, we've talked about it before. Covenant is that term to how God deals with us. And so in the old covenant, God gave his law to sinners. But in the new covenant, God gave his son for sinners. The old covenant was based on the behavior of Israel. When they obeyed God, he blessed them. When they disobeyed, he punished them. The new covenant is based on Christ's blood. So Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And so in verse 25, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He says we are to remember Christ, the covenant, the blood. Verse 26, he talks about the practice of the Lord's Supper. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, this is not optional. We are to do this. Now, it doesn't say how often. It just says often. Now, some people it's weekly. Some people it's monthly. Some people quarterly. The, the emphasis is of what you're doing when you do it, that we are to focus on Christ because this is the gospel. One preacher said, we say the gospel in the sermon. We see the gospel in the supper. And so every time we do the Lord's Supper, we're seeing and hearing the gospel. He also said the Lord's Supper proclaims the coming of Christ, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we do the Lord's Supper, we're reminding ourselves that one day Christ is going to return. So this memorial is not only a, a, a pledge, it's a promise. We receive the communion as an act of obedience and an act of faith. We believe the crucified Savior died on the cross for us. And we believe the risen Savior will come back for us. Then Paul talks about the preparation of the Lord's Supper. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing is to eat the bread and drink of the cup. 
As Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper, he's talking about judgment now. He says we are to self-examine ourselves to see if we are worthy to do this. Now, please understand what he's saying. A lot of people get concerned about this. The, the King James Version says, uh, uh, take, do not take the uh, Lord's Supper unworthily. And a lot of people get, has a lot, have a lot of guilt about this. None of us are worthy to take the Lord's Supper. I'm not worthy to lead it. I'm not worthy to take it. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about, do not do it in an unworthy manner, the way you approach it. And what it means is you, you and I cannot come before the Lord's Supper and take the Lord's Supper with known sin in our lives. We are made worthy positionally by faith in Christ. And so as we come, we cannot come with the attitude, I know there's someone I need to forgive. I'm not going to forgive them. I know I have a greed issue, but I'm not going to deal with my greed. We can't come that way. None of us are worthy. But when we come to, take, to partake of the Lord's supper, supper, we have to do it in a, make sure it's not in an unworthy manner because it makes a mockery of the cross. So that's why we need to take time to examine ourselves. That's what he says in verse 28. Let each man examine himself. It's not my job to examine you. You have to do it yourself. Just like the psalmist said in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. We have to examine ourselves, see if, there, if there's any unconfessed sin in our lives. And then Paul gives a warning here. Verse 29, for he who eats this drink and eats and drinks and eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Paul says a, a very stern warning. When you take the Lord's Supper and you do not follow these directions, you're in danger of judgment. Now, not losing your salvation, but being judge of God, being disciplined of God. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, you know, like the world, being judged with eternal condemnation. He's saying being disciplined of the Lord. Paul says, you need to do this right and do it carefully. You know, a recent study found out the average person loses nine items a day. Nine items, from, t- from keys to wallets to TV remotes, whatever. They gave a, a, a reason why we lose things, and very scientific, breaks down to attention, has a part to do with the brain, the, uh, the hippocampus part of the brain is responsible for taking a snapshot and preserving the memory. It, a lot of jargon in there, but here's what it, basically it means. You know why we forget things? We don't think about things. That's what it means. We, we lay something down, we don't think about it. And if we don't think about something, we forget things. For the Lord's Supper, we need to remember. And don't forget while we're doing it. So that we do not lose the meaning of the Lord's Supper. With that in mind, if you will bow your heads... The Bible says we must examine ourselves. So at this time, privately, quietly. If there is a sin in your life that you've never confessed, you need to do so before you take the Lord's Supper. The Bible says there are two requirements for the Lord's Supper. The first requirement, you need to be a born-again believer. And it need to be that time in your life where you gave your life to Christ. The other is do not take it in an unworthy manner, meaning, again, there's something in your life that you haven't dealt with that you won't deal with. And God says you need to deal with that first before you take the Lord's Supper.
pray silently. Father in heaven, we ask you to examine our hearts. And Father, we will not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. We ask you, Father, to forgive us. Father, forgive us of our lust, our greed, our pride, our racism. Father, forgive us when we don't share our faith. Father, forgive us when we won't forgive. Father, forgive us when we think we're better than others. Forgive us, Father, when we don't care for those who are hurting. Father, whatever sin in our lives that, Father, you have revealed to us, let us bring it before you, asking forgiveness. That, Father, we may take the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. And we pray now, Father, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, Father, may we have an encounter and an experience with the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
This represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry. February 9th, 1943, the Dorchester was going across the North Atlantic with 900 troops aboard in a convoy. A German U-boat spotted them, shot three torpedoes toward the, them. One torpedo hit the Dorchester and began to sink. There was not enough lifeboats, not enough life jackets aboard. People were hurt and injured, and as the ship was sinking, four chaplains did all they could to minister to those who were hurting, comforting those who were scared. And then, at the very end, these four chaplains took off their life jackets and gave it to four soldiers. It is recorded that as the ship went down, these four chaplains were singing hymns as they went into the waters and died. Four chaplains ministering to the people before sacrificially giving their lives for them. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus came to this earth and he ministered to people. And then he went to the cross to die for us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ who not only ministered to us, Father, he died for us on that cross 2,000 years ago. Let us remember. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you.
This represents the blood of our Lord Jesus. In 1878, Victoria was the queen of England. Her third child was Alice. Alice married a king in one of the German states. They had, various, they had numerous children. And then one day, they, some of them became sick. And then one died. Their youngest became very sick. The doctor said it was black diphtheria, highly contagious disease. He told Alice that she nor the king could go near their son because he was highly contagious and let the nanny and the nurse take care of their child. One day she was standing outside the bedroom and she heard her son ask the nanny, why doesn't mommy love me anymore? And she burst in the room. And she hugged her son and began kissing him over and over, saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. A week later, they buried Alice because she caught the disease. There are times we ask God, God, do you love us? And we need to remember that he hugged us and kissed us with grace over and over and over on a cross 2,000 years ago. And on that cross, he said, I love you. And we are never to forget. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross and the reminder, Father, of your love. 
Because in Christ's death, we see the love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Matthew's account after the Lord's Supper, they sung a hymn and they left. But we want to sing a hymn also before we leave, but we want to sing a hymn of invitation, a hymn of opportunity. Because maybe today, those of you who are here or those of you online, maybe for the very first time you understand the love of Christ and you want to give your life to Christ. If you're watching online and you would like to give your life to Christ, just text the word today at 270-398-5005 and a minister will give you a call today. But if you're here in person, as we begin to sing the minister at the front, if you want to give your life to Christ or, or join this church or answer the call to missions or in the ministry, whatever it may be, let today be the day. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, we pray now you speak to us. Speak to us, Father, with clarity, reminding us, Father, of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and never let us forget. Father, whatever decision we need to make, public or private, let us do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.